Come on, baby. Come on. Jesus is the real star. Yeah. In your face section with Pete Cabrera Come on. Jr. Oh, Jesus, baby. baby. Yeah. Hey, guys. My name is Pete Cabrera Jr. with Royal Family International University and School of Identity and Lifestyle. And you're listening to the All Jesus Podcast. And this is the Masterclass, the full guide to divine healing and training in the spirit. Today, we're going to be talking about stewarding the indwelling dunamis power in Christ. You're probably wondering, what is dunamis? It means a power that never runs out. It's, it's forever going. There's no end of it. There's no beginning to it. It's been there since the beginning of time. We're going to be talking about that today. So guys, let's go. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Oh my Lord. Come on. So guys, we're going to just, just jump right into it because there's so much that I want to talk about. Okay, so let, let's give this some thought. Have you ever thought about what would happen if you or someone else had given someone this amazing gift of eternal life and leading them to the Lord, yet not sharing with them what has actually happened to them as a born-again believer or letting them know what it is that they will be carrying from now on into this life in Christ Jesus? Can you imagine bringing someone into God's presence and not telling them what God's presence actually is and what his amazing presence can do and what can happen to those who do not honor or respect what it is they carry in Christ? What happens when we carry something so holy that it will not compromise even when we do? Guys, this is what this is going to be about. We're going to be talking about carrying and stewarding who the Christ is. And we're going to be talking about the honest of God. Because when God gives himself to us, he's assuming that we know what we're getting into. This is why the gospels are given to us. This is why his word was given to us. Because we have to know what it is that we're going to be receiving. Salvation is a free gift to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Yet the cost of walking out his divine power and nature is very rarely taught. Many of us are given this amazing gift without anyone ever telling us what this gift actually is and and what it can do through the Christ. And it's very interesting because we don't ever talk about what it is to honor what it is that's been invested in us as believers. Let's not forget, God doesn't stop being God just because we're born again believers and don't understand what it is that we've received in our lives. Like he keeps being God. Remember, God will insist on believing his own word even if we don't. Our father is bound to us by a covenant in Christ. God is faithful to his word and he will do everything in his power to honor his end of the relationship. The question is, how do we honor our end if we were never told how to walk in this dunamis power and how to honor what it is that was given to us through the born again experience? What do you think would happen? If someone came into this covenant in Christ and they didn't understand what it was they had committed to when coming into this life in Christ, what do you think would happen? In the kingdom of God, it's not about what you can get. It's more about becoming the person who can steward all that he is for us in this lifetime. So it's about walking out who he is and becoming the person who can honor that on a daily. That's the key. I believe that according to his word, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's 2 Peter 1 3 according to his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us into glory and virtue i believe according to his word that god hasn't held back anything from us in the spirit god give us all that he is through the christ god is so big that the only way we can receive everything that god is is by him giving himself to us there's just so much of him that it can't be unwrapped it has to be given as a whole is by giving himself to us. Give that some thought. This is the only possible way of receiving all that he is. This is the only way. Nothing held back. You get all of him in order to walk out all that he is. Everything that he is, is given to you. He doesn't hold anything back. So like I tell people, look, when God gives his love, he doesn't give you love as per se, hey, I'm going to love on you. He gives you who he is because who he is, is love. So he doesn't give you a hand down Uh, type of love he gives you the source of love now remember god will not release himself from his word he's bound to his word so if he is love then he's bound to love which means that when he gives himself to you he gives all that he is and we're going to be talking about how do we walk in all that he is because the scripture tells us in ephesians chapter 3 50 60 70 and 18 all the way down to 19 it talks about that we might be filled with all the fullness of of God with all the fullness. And so the question wouldn't just be, you know, how do we walk out this fullness, but how can our minds grasp the reality of what this fullness would look like on a daily? So then the key is to tap into all that he is. And this can only be done through the knowledge of him. 
God's giving must be consistent with our capacity to receive. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm going to say that again. God's giving must be consistent with our capacity to receive. What I mean to say is that not everyone will be able to accept the truth of who he is for them because of their lack of knowledge or understanding and who he is for them in certain areas. If you don't know who he is for you in this world, how can his truth and reality manifest for you in those areas of your life? You must believe that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. What I, what I mean by that is this. If you want to receive all that God is, and you say, I want all that you are, have we even given that much thought of what it is that we're actually asking for? Okay? Can we steward the mindset that can carry that power? Can we steward what it is that we're asking for? Can we take care of what it is that we long for? And we're going to be talking about that throughout the podcast about how we take care of what it is that's been given to us already, which is all things that pertain to life and godliness. But how do we tap in to walking out all things? If you don't know who he is for you in this world, how can his truth and, and realities manifest for you in any area of your life, to be honest? We must believe that he is a rewarder, those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Seeking him is the key. Most of us seek gifts, anointings, and we forget that it's all in him. God does not separate himself from his word. This is the separation that we all struggle with, that we're going to be tapping into what it is that we need to tap into to pull out the essence of who the Christ is in us, right? We separate ourselves from his word when we don't become one with him in all areas of our lives, yet we expect 100% out of God, even though we only put in 10% into the game. I tell everyone to get 100% success rate out of your walk. You have to walk out 100% Christ. Because, you know, you hear people say, hey, you know, I only get 2%, 5%. When I pray for people, I get half this and that. How much of him can you receive? Can you receive all that he is for you? The more we expand our awareness of who God is for us, the greater will be our capacity to receive. Remember, it's his fullness that we're wanting to walk in. So how do we do it? How do we walk in this fullness? Did you know that you are being trained to be the person who can make it all manifest in the Christ? You're basically being trained to walk out the realities of all that God is for you in this world. That's the key. You have to know that. You have to be the person who can steward all that he wants to be for you and through you for everyone around you. We must manifest him. So how does one manifest all that he is if we haven't yet learned all that he is for us? And we, we very rarely believe that he can be those things for us. We have to know who he is for us in every area of our lives, especially in our earthly body. This is why the life of Jesus is so vital. We have received all that he has spiritually, yet the question is, will we walk all that he is in a physical reality now? Remember, you must renew the mind into this truth. You have the mind of Christ, yet you also have the mind of a carnal being. This must be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It has to happen. Basically, what I'm saying in a, in a nutshell with all that is that you've received all that he is. And I'm going to be showing you in the scriptures what it is that we're actually carrying. It's very interesting once you break it down biblically. It's, it's, it's frightening, but at the same time, it's breathtaking. Because when you understand what it is that's actually happened to you at the born again experience, you, be, you can begin to train in that. You can't train in what it is you don't know. You can't. Ephesians 4, 20 through 21. But you have not so learned Christ, it so be that you have heard him. And have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. It says here, you have not so learned Christ. It does not say you have not so learned Jesus or the gifts or the power or the ministry or the anointing. It says you have not so learned Christ. Jesus was a man fully submitted to the anointing. That is the Christ in him. Fully man and fully God in unity, spirit, soul, and body walking out one identity here on earth what is this christ definition of christ in the greek means anointing or anointed one also the messiah in hebrew means anointed or anointed one we know that this is referring to the spirit of god but can it also mean the presence of god are they separate this is something that we got to talk about is god's presence or his presence is it present without the holy spirit and is the Holy Spirit present 
without the presence of God? Or is both God's presence and Holy Spirit at work at the same time in a believer? This is a great question to ask. Once we're born again, is God's presence in us or are we only in his presence? Was God's presence in Christ or was the Christ God's presence here on earth? We are earthly vessels created to house and carry the presence of God to all who have need of him through us. Jesus modeled this out perfectly. I'm going to show this to you, okay? In Genesis chapter 1-1, watch how I break this down because a lot of people get confused about what it is we carry. Now, remember, in the last podcast, I had asked everybody, who was the first Christian? And we know that Jesus was the first Christian, which means that we model out the first Christian. We forget that. So if it doesn't happen to him, it shouldn't happen to you. And if it does happen to you and it's outside of what's happened to him, then we got to question why it's happening. Okay? So let's hit this right here. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I'm going to do it again. Slow. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Let me stop right there. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created, so here's God, the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So we have God and we have the Spirit of God. John 1, 1 through 4. Let me show it to you. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Okay? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. Remember, Jesus said in Revelations, and the Revelation says that he's Alpha and Omega, and Omega, the beginning and the end. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Okay? We're talking about Jesus right here. Okay? So in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now remember, John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh. So we know that the word is the Christ, is God. That's in Jesus. That's with God. And we're going to talk about this. Okay. First John 5.7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The father, which is God. The word, which is Jesus. And the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Okay, you got to know that they're all one. There's no separating them. Okay, when we go through the throne room of heaven, there's not three throne rooms. There's only one. There's not three thrones. There's only one. Okay, and there's only one person sitting on that throne. And his name is Jesus the Christ, the one that carried all three. Okay, you got to know that. Why is this vital? Because this pertains to you. We're going to talk about this because you carry that Christ. You carry that spirit. The same that Jesus the man carried it, Pete the man carries it. Auntie M carries it. Okay? Iris carries it. Sam carries it. It's the same spirit that it talks about in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God, that spirit, that was upon the face of the waters, that spirit is the spirit that's living on the inside of you, according to John chapter 1, 1 through 4, and 1, 14, and 1 John 5, 7. You have to know that. Colossians 2, 9. Here we go. For in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's Jesus. In him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So if it's in him and you're in Christ, it's in you. Okay, Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. That's talking about the Christ that you become one with. 1 Corinthians 6.17, those who are joined to the Lord become one spirit. You become one with this reality. This is where your mind is going to struggle. How do you wrap your mind around the fact that you are wrapped around living in and dwelling in the realities of God fully, holding nothing back? All that he is in every area of your life. How do you get that reality to manifest through a vessel? That's the job 
of the apostles. That's my job. That's the, the people who are teachers jobs. That's the job of a pastor, of a leader. It's to teach you to walk out the maturity that's in Christ Jesus, to walk in that reality. That's what it's about. What was Jesus the man carrying? According to these scriptures, it was God's spirit and the presence. Jesus was fully 100% human, and he was also 100% heavenly and divine. Tapping into the Christ in you takes effort and hard work. He gives all that he is to you. Let's address the Ark of the Covenant and what it represents. Hey, guys, before we go any further, if you wouldn't mind hitting the share button and the like button, we want to share this with as many people as possible. We want as many people as possible to walk in the identity that's in Christ. That's the key to everything. I'm going to show you biblically. Okay, so here we go. Exodus 19, 8 through 12. I'm going to read this to you. Now, everything that I'm saying to you. Okay, now, now I said this earlier in another podcast that we're going to be talking about the light. Okay, and we just talked about this. This in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then we talk about and the word became flesh. And then in, in Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, right, God created the heavens and the earth and he said, let there be light. Now, I want to address something when it comes to light. Okay, when light shines on something, it casts a shadow. Now, you have to understand that when the light shines on you, it casts a shadow, which means there's more to you than you would ever know. But you would have never known that unless the light revealed it to you. So in the same way, when I hold this cup up and the light hits it, it casts a shadow. Do you see the shadow of the microphone that's on me? The microphone is casting a shadow on me. Without the light, that shadow wouldn't exist. But that light is trying to reveal something to you that you wouldn't have been able to see unless the light was there. When the Christ comes and lives on the inside of you, you now have this light. And this light reveals to you everything that you could not see that is in the spirit that you are now going to be walking in. Because the shadow is in a natural realm that can actually be seen. You can't say that a shadow is not real because without the solid cup, without the, the physical cup, there wouldn't be a shadow. So the shadow is a representation of something that's there. Okay. The shadow is not made up. The light's hitting something. Okay. Now the spirit of God is hitting something. The light is shining on something. It's trying to reveal something to you. And I had talked about it as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, which means death is real. But when light hits it, it only casts a shadow. It doesn't mean that the shadow is not real, but it's the shadow of death, which means that when light hits it, it's totally different than what it was. So the light changes everything. We're going to be talking about that here in a little bit. So let's talk about Exodus 19, 8 through 12. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned, returned the words of the people unto the Lord. This is, you know, Mount Sinai. We know the, when the law was given. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in, in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people unto Mount Sinai. I'm going to read that again. And be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of the people unto Mount Sinai. This says the Lord. Okay. We know who the Lord is. Okay. Watch this. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people around about saying, Take heed to yourselves that you go not into the mountain or touch the borders of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall surely be put to death. This is the presence of God. The scripture uses the word the Lord, the Lord coming down onto a mountain. Can you imagine what it looked like in the spirit when his fullness moves into a vessel? We're just talking about what it looks like in a mountain. Okay, we're not even talking about what it looks like when it moves into you, like what that actually looks like. In the spirit, this is a physical representation of the Lord coming down to present himself to the people for the first time. This is very interesting. This is talking about a physical manifestation of the Lord moving down on a mountain. God allowed him to see him for who he was. The people had been sanctified before the Lord could come and reveal himself to them. This is very interesting. Give us some thought. As a born again believer, the old man of sin dies at the born again experience, correct? So in reality, his presence kills off all that is keeping us from coming into his presence when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord. You die when you come face to face with him 
It's called the born again experience. This is an awesome reality. Now remember, this is the scriptures talking about what's happening before the born again experience in Exodus when they're coming down off the mountain. So if the honest of God, the honest of the Lord coming down on the mountain is this amazing in a physical sense. Imagine what it looks like in the spiritual sense when you understand that this whole mountain was on fire. This whole mountain was consumed by the Lord when he was walking down. Now imagine what he does to little old Pete. Imagine what he does to little low David. Imagine what he does to little low people who receive the presence of the living God. When the Lord reveals himself to us, when he comes and indwells us. And we're going to be talking about that. Here we go. Exodus 25, 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This is Exodus 25, 8. This is after Moses has sprinkled the blood on the commandments and, and on the people. And this is God saying, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let's not forget that when the Lord came down off the mountain, he was making his home with them, not in them. Old covenant versus new covenant. John 14, 23, listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and will come unto him and make our abode with him abode meaning becoming God's dwelling place I love how Jesus said we we will make our abode with him I love that John 8 31 32 then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him if you continue in my word then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free what makes you free in that verse? It's not believing in Jesus that makes you free. It's knowing the truth about Jesus and his word that makes you free. This doesn't set you free. It makes you free. There's a big difference between setting you free and making you free, which means you're made free. <laughs> this is a big difference between being set free and being born free. When you are born again, you are born free. You are not a slave. You're not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to sickness. And you are free. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You have the spirit of the Lord on the inside of you. You were born free. You don't know how to be a slave. Slavery is a foreign concept to the new man in Christ because he was made free. Made free. Didn't go free. Made free. That's the born again experience. I love using that word. Made free. I was kingdom made. You were kingdom made. You were made a certain way. Let's discuss a powerful truth that can make you free to walking out the pure, honest of Christ. We're going to talk about that. Hebrews chapter 9, 1 through 4. Hey guys, before I read that, really think about this. What if you could wrap your mind around what it is to be free? Okay, what I mean by that is what if you were born into a kingdom and the king told you you're born free. Sickness cannot have power over you. Disease cannot have power over you. None of this stuff can put chains on you. Nothing can hold you. Nothing can bind you. You're going to just grow in dunamis power like nothing can hold you back. You're going to be released in all my glory. Like what if you could wrap your mind around that? What kind of living? would that produce what kind of language would that produce what kind of relationships would that give that some thought like you're an eternal being which means you're an eternal being that moves in eternity you're eternally free you're eternally healed you're eternally in love you're like this is what you are for eternity <laughs> wrap your mind around that okay we're going to talk about claiming it, right? We're going to talk about what that is. Hebrews 9, 1 through 4. Then verily, the first covenant has also ordained of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had a golden censer and the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold wherein was the golden pot of manna 
Aaron's rod, and the tables of the covenant, which is the law. This is what was inside of the ark. We'll talk about this, okay? I love how Paul addresses the second veil, meaning there are two places divided by one veil. There was the sanctuary, then the holiest, as we also have a veil that separates the sanctuary from the holiest of holy in Christ. The key is going behind the veil and in most cases learning to thin out the veil. We're going to talk about this because when you can walk in this, you can feel it. I've been around people that have been around me when the veil gets so thin that all you can do is feel the presence of God and it just does not leave. It's like paint that gets painted on you and you're like, this has been on me all morning. I can't, I can't shake it and it can't be shaken because the veil begins to thin. There's a reality that begins to manifest and we're going to talk about later on i'm going to do a series on this on how to train behind the veil okay hebrews 6 19 we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner place behind the veil behind the curtain hear me out thank you holy spirit hear me out paul is talking about there's this place it's a sanctuary Okay, a sanctuary is a place that's made where you go over God's presence. It's a sanctuary that you can you can go there and, and sanctify yourself. Okay, you can sanctify yourself. And when you're sanctified, this is what it's for. You sanctify yourself before you can go in somewhere. You can go into prayer. You can sanctify your heart, your mind. Look, you've been sanctified forever by Christ. But you have to do some things in order to go back there yourself. Look, Christ takes you back there. He takes you there. But a lot of people are afraid to go there. A lot of people are afraid to take Jesus' hand and allow him to take them deeper. They're afraid of the things of God. They're afraid of the honest of God. And we should be. But when we go there, it's different. And if you've heard the story of me and my mother when we went there, I actually showed her in prayer that you can go behind the veil. I took my mother by the hand and we went into prayer and I took her there. What I mean by took her there is I took her to the sanctuary. I didn't take her behind the veil. Christ took her behind the veil. But I showed her how to go to a place in prayer where you can allow the Christ to lead you. Now, the key is to allow Christ to lead you on the other side of the veil when you come back around into what we would call the natural realm. This is called being led by the Spirit. And it can be done. There's a training that comes with this. Okay? Here we go. Hebrews 6.19 we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. This is what the Christ does. Hebrews 7, 12. For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessary a change in the law as well. I love this because now we're under the new covenant, okay? Which means we're not under the old covenant. This is the law that changes, okay? There's a new law that changes. We're in the law of the spirit now. When talk about that, a lot of us are not being trained in the law of the spirit. A lot of us are being trained in the old covenant. A lot of us are being trained in carnality. A lot of us are being trained in certain things that have nothing to do with the law of the spirit. I'm going to be talking about that later on as the podcast goes on. Because there's some things I'm going to be addressing and some things I'm going to be pointing out and showing you in scripture that we can go there. We can go there. Okay, it's not a joke for God. Remember, God wants us to help his children. God wants us to fulfill our purpose. God wants it more than we do. He wants us to get it more than we do. But there's something that's amiss. There's something that's not connecting, okay? And that's why teachers and the Holy Spirit are needed. We need to work this thing out. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, okay? Hebrews chapter 7, 21. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swore and will not repeat. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now remember, Jesus is our high priest now. And I'm going to be talking later on about we are now a royal priesthood, which means that if Jesus can go behind the veil, that means he's training us to go behind the veil, which means we can also go behind the veil at will. Because we're going to talking about the priesthood, the office. The office is we're supposed to bring something to the people, which means we go before God and we receive something that we need to give to his children. And that only happens through us. But if we're not being trained how to go there, 
How can we give the people what it is? Look, there's a food that those don't know. Of. Jesus said, I have a food you not know of. There are certain things that people don't know of that you can only get from the spirit only. Okay. Hebrews 726. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. We have access to this place through the Christ. The challenge is how do we train behind the veil? This is done through prayer, fasting, and fellowship in the secret place. I would do a teaching on this training in the series to come because we got to go all the way in. But before we can go there, we have to show where we're actually going and why we're going there and what it is that we have and why we're connected. There is no space in the spirit. There is no separation in the spirit. Okay. We're all one in the spirit. Okay. What one man can do in Christ, we can all do. What Christ can do, we can all do. Okay. All of us, because God wants all of us to receive everything that Christ was walking in through a walk. Okay. Not just mentally, not just emotionally, not just physically, but tangibly because people are suffering because we are not walking in this reality. Okay. Hebrews 8, 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. This says he sat down. His job is finished. No more sacrifices. Okay. Guys, did you know that you couldn't sit down if you were a priest? Because you were constantly in the service of God. Constantly doing something. Non-stop. We become a living sacrifice unto the Lord. We sacrifice who we were, which is the old man. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out when I say this. By dying daily, by laying down our lives and picking up his life, the new man that was created in all righteousness as an identity in Christ has to be picked up every day. You have to put off the old man. This is the sacrifice that you make every day. You sacrifice what you really want to say to what you have to say. You sacrifice what you really want to do to what God wants you to do. There's so much sacrifice in this life when you understand what it is you carry. We become a sweet aroma unto God. Our lives are presented to God out of a pure heart. This is where we start our journey into majesty through the Christ right here. When we realize this truth, okay, let's not forget the responsibility of a high priest. And that's a crazy thing because there's no selfish act. It's a selfless life. It's a life of service. Priests weren't priests for their own spiritual growth. A lot of people don't know this. Did you guys know that? The priests weren't in it for themselves. It, it wasn't selfish, okay? This is what's very interesting about being a priest. A high priest was not selfish, it was, he, was not, he was not doing it so he could become more spiritual. That's not what he was doing. He wasn't there to see what he could get for his own growth. That's not why he was there. That's not why he was there. Do your study on the priest. Priests weren't priests for their own spiritual growth. It was a lifestyle and modeling selfless acts of service to God and his people. Slaves to the call of service. Paul understood this call. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians 9.19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a slave unto all, that I might gain the more. This is the call of a priest as well as of a disciple in Christ Jesus who came not to be served, yet he came to serve. This is the Christ. Let's talk about the ark and what is in it because we have to know what it is that we're carrying and we have to know what was in the ark, okay? Because we have to make the connect, okay? Here we go. Hebrews 9, 4, which had the golden censer. The Ark of the Covenant laid around about with gold, which is the golden pot of manna and Aaron's rod and the tablets of the covenant. This was in the Ark of the Covenant, the pot of manna, Aaron's rod, the Ten Commandments, which is the law. God's presence sat on the Ark, according to these verses. His presence was on the mercy seat on top of the Ark, okay? So he sat on it, on everything that he had did and everything that he had put into the Ark, which was this box, right? Give us some thought. Jesus said, I'm the manna. Okay, this is in John 6, 49 through 51. He confirms he's the bread from heaven that they ate in the wilderness. So Jesus is the manna, and now Jesus lives in you. So we have that manna. So the golden pot that's in the ark 
is now in us. Okay, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is what happens to us at the born again experience right here. He removes your heart of stone. And gives you a heart of flesh. And he, he writes his laws in your heart and in your mind. And he places his spirit within you. Everything that's in Hebrews 9, 4, which is in the ark, now lives inside a vessel, which is a temple, which is you. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All of this has come to pass. And all of these things are now on the inside of you. They're on the inside of us as born again believers. Yet God's presence doesn't sit on us like it did in the old covenant. Okay. It doesn't do that. It now lives on the inside of us. He makes his abode in us. He indwells us. Okay. So in the old covenant, he sat on the ark. He was in a tent and people camped around the presence of God, if you guys remember in Exodus, the people would come and speak to him through the high priest. The high priest would make sacrifices for the people once a year. Who's our high priest now? The Christ, which means he has access to God all the time. Now watch this. You're in the Christ, which means that you are now having access to God all the time, which means that now you can go behind the veil. So the key is, do you go behind the veil when Jesus wants you to go behind the veil? Or can you stand before God with all bonus and you can go behind the veil anytime you want, talking to your God face to face? And then the question is, when you talk to your God face to face, what is it that you're doing in his presence? And what is it that you're talking about to God in his presence? Are you talking about how you can grow in certain things? Are you talking to him about what he can give you? Are you talking about how blessed you can be? Or are you going in there as a priest? as a servant, to receive everything that he is for you so you can go and serve the people around you with what it is that's been invested into you. See, that's a whole nother conversation because there can't be any type of selfless, any type of selfish inclinations inside. We can't have any type of selfish motives in our hearts. We have to be pure of heart to carry that. Very interesting. It's very interesting. It's the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's talk about how amazing God's presence is when it's taken seriously. I'm, I'm going to say some stuff. We always talk about how we have the presence of God and how we walk in power and how we have the Holy Ghost. We always talk about what it is we have, okay? But we very rarely talk about what comes with that responsibility and why it is we got it in the first place. Because we made it about, I'm not going to hell. We made it about, I'm going to heaven. That's what we made it about. We haven't made it about, hey, let's go help the people of God. Let's go clothe the people of God. Let's go feed the hungry. Let's go lay hands on the sick. See, we, we've made it about us because we're in the Western world. It's about how blessed I am and what is that I have and what is that? That Look, I'm, I'm highly blessed. I'm highly favored. Okay, but you know why you're highly blessed and highly favored? So you can be a blessing to all the nations. So you can be a blessing to all the people. So I'm going to go all the way in. You ready? Okay, we're going all the way in. Let's talk about this amazing presence. Let's talk about the honest of what it is we have. And what happens when you don't know what it is you carry. Okay, we'll talk about that. Here we go. 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through 15. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bali of Judah to bring up from hence the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherim. So remember, David got up in the morning. He's going to go get the ark, right? He's heading out from Judah. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abendah that was in Gadea and Uzzah and Ahio and sons of Abendah drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abendah, which was the Gadea accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. This is very interesting because you're going to find out that this ark is on an ox cart. Here we go. 
And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments and made of fire wood, even of harps and psalteries and trumpets and of cornets and of cymbals. Basically, he's playing this music. And they came to Nachon's threshing floor. Watch this. He's playing music. They're singing. They're super excited, right? Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the ox had shook it. So the ox shook the presence of God. <laughs> the ox shook the presence of God. <laughs> Guys, I'm laughing. Because how many oxes shake you? <laughs> and what happens when you get upset? And what happens when things happen? And we're going to talk about that, okay? And when they came to Nacho's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand on the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perizuza to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come unto me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittadite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittadite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. All his household doesn't just mean his house. It means his name. So his whole household was blessed. Everyone in his family was blessed when the ark was there. And it was told David, King David, this is a... Uh, 612 and it was told to king david saying the lord has blessed the house of obed edom and all that pertaineth unto him because the ark of god so david went and brought up the ark of god from the house of obed edom into the city of david with gladness and it was so that when they bear the ark of the lord had gone six paces he sacrificed oxen and fattings and david danced before the lord with all his might and david was girded with the linen ephod so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord shouting and with the sound of trumpets. So I'm going to stop right here. Let me, let me break this down for you. So David was bringing the ark of the covenant into the city, the city of David. But it was on an ox cart. It wasn't being carried, okay, which is a big no-no because it has to be carried a certain way. You have to honor what God wants and how you're to carry the presence of God. But they didn't honor the way they were carrying them. Uzzah touched it. God took him out, okay? David got scared. He didn't know what was going on. He's about to bring this into the city. So instead of bringing it in, he takes it to Obed-Edom, which is the priest, and he leaves it there. And it says that he's blessed for three months. The reason that is is because a priest is in the service of God, which means a priest knows how to take care of the presence of God. This is why we're called a royal priesthood because we've been given the presence of God, okay? Now, this is old covenant. They were afraid of this presence because they didn't carry it right. But if they knew how to carry it, they would have been blessed, which Obed-Edom, his whole house, was blessed, okay? So if you find out later on that David has on an ephod. Now, ephod is a priest's garment, which means that somebody told David how to carry the presence of God into the city. And if you read on, you find out that David does the sacrifices, David gives the bread to the people. He does all the things that a priest should do. Now, remember, he's a king and a priest. See, he didn't bring him in as a priest. David was trying to bring him in just as a king, but he didn't know how to carry him. So he had to send him to Obed-Edom's house. And Obed-Edom's like, hey, man, you can't just bring this presence into the city however you want. I know you're a king, but you have to honor God. God will honor you, but you need to honor him by carrying him into the city the right way. And that's what David did. Now, he was afraid because he didn't know what he was doing at first. But then after he had an ephod, which means that now he's wearing the garment. Look, you don't just wear a garment. Okay, that's like you go into the, to the sheriff's office and they just give you a badge. They don't do that. They train you before they give you a badge. They train you before they give you an officer's car. They train you. They don't just give it to you. So an ephod, David's not just wearing his ephod because it looks nice. He's not wearing his ephod just so, you know, hey, look, I'm a priest. No, he was trained in that office as a priest because it had to be done right. He was trained as a king and he was also trained as a priest. And later on, I'm going to show you how Jesus was also trained in the office of a priest i'm gonna talk about this because it's in scripture we know that john the baptist was a priest and we know that john the baptist baptized jesus and we know john the baptist 
had disciples, which means he was a rabbi. And he baptized Jesus. And it says that after Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist's disciples left him and followed Jesus. You have to be trained in an office. You can't just claim something. You have to be trained in it. You can't just claim you walk in power. You have to be trained in it. You can't just claim this stuff. It ain't just name it, claim it. No, you have to be trained in what it is that you say you have. You can't just talk about it. You got to know how to talk about it. You can't just walk it out. You got to know how to walk it out. All of this has to be done the right way. That's the reason we have so many issues in the body of Christ. That's why we have so many divisions and issues and fighting and backbiting in the churches because we don't honor what it is we carry. And it's a person, right? We'll talk about that. Luke chapter 139. Let me show you the honest and the realness of who God is. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah. This is the same type of verbiage used in 2 Samuel 6, 2. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bali of Judah. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah. This is very interesting, right? Just read them, read them side by side. But that's not the only thing it says, okay? We're going to keep going. I wanted, I wanted to go to a side right here and talk about something on a little note, but I'm not going to do it in this podcast because it's going to take too long. I was going to do it, but I'm not. I'm going to wait to the next one. Luke 139. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Who are they, guys? They're priests. Zacharias is the father of John. Elizabeth is the wife of Zacharias, who's the mother of John. They're both priests. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutations of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is it to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? This is the same thing David said in 2 Samuel 6, 9. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So you have, in one instance, David's afraid of what it is he's carrying because he doesn't know how to take care of it. And then you hear Elizabeth, she's excited. And whence is it to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? Two different realities here. One doesn't know what to do with the presence. The other one does. Big difference. If you don't know what to do with it and you've been called to carry it and you understand what it is you're carrying, there's a fear behind that when you understand. There's a fear behind that. We're going to talk about that. For lo, as soon as the voice of that salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped, leaped in my womb for joy. That's crazy because in 2 Samuel 6, 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with the linen ephod, which means that David leaped and David danced for joy when the presence of God came in, representing the spirit of God that came into the city. The spirit was inside of her womb and the baby leaped. For joy. Here David's carrying the presence and David leaps and dance with all his might. Okay? Luke 156. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Second Samuel 611. And the ark of the Lord continued to the house of Obed Edom the Gidadite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed Edom and all his household. Read these side by side. The ark stayed as Obed Edom's house for three months. Mary stayed at the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth three months. Why did she stay there for three months? Why was the ark at Obed-Eden's house for three months? Do the correlation. What is the scripture trying to tell us about this presence, the presence of God, and how it should be carried? How was it brought into the city? How was it carried into the world? David at first carried the ark on an ox cart and someone died. This proves that the ark had to be carried a certain way. Then David said, no one may carry the ark of God, but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. This is 1 Chronicles 15, 2. We find out later on that the priests also carry it, that there's more than just the Levites that carry the ark whenever it's needed. Who are the priests and what do they do? Let's not forget, Christ has become our high priest. He carries the weight and the office and the Holy Spirit is teaching us to do the same. 
man, there's so much behind that. There's a weight behind this. There's an honest behind this. Watch this. Let's talk about the mindset of Mary. She was not a priest, yet she carried the presence of the Christ. How is this possible? This is a mystery that is now revealed to the saints. The mystery is how can something so holy and so pure and so powerful partner with man and humanity? This God who wanted to make his abode with man in Exodus has finally made it happen through the Christ. And we now allow this awe of God to inhabit our earthly vessels. Wow. Get us some thought, man. Come on. Sweet Jesus. How did Mary speak to this child in her womb that was housing the spirit of the living God? How did she do it? What was this conversation? My God. With fear and trembling, I can imagine, not knowing if she was worthy of such a task, not knowing if she could birth such a gift, impregnated by the Holy Spirit of God and carrying this precious gift for nine months. Like, come on, man, waking up every morning knowing that the spirit that split the Red Seas on the inside of you, waking up every morning knowing that this is the spirit that caused the plagues in Egypt, Knowing that this spirit hovered over the waters in Genesis chapter 1. Knowing that this spirit would resurrect the dead. Knowing that this spirit would cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Knowing that this spirit was housed in a child known as the Christ. What type of humility was she walking in to make sure that she was carrying that presence the right way? Give that some thought. She hid this truth from the world. She protected what she was entrusted with. How do we speak to each other? If we truly believe that the Spirit of God lived in our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, would we speak to each other out of reverence and fear of what everyone was carrying in Christ? What would our churches be like? How would our relationships look like if we accepted this reality as truth? How would the world affect us? What, what would put fear into us? What would cause us to be afraid if we knew that we were carrying this. What would, we talk, what would we be talking about? Would we be talking about what the enemy's doing? Or would we be talking about what we're carrying into this darkness? Would we be talking about how this amazing gift on the inside of us can redeem everything? And set everything, like we're carrying that on a daily. What happens when we honor that? When we honor what we carry, so does everything else. When we submit to what it is we carry, so does everything else. When we accept fully what it is we carry, so will everything else that we speak to. When we are in Christ, even our problems are in Christ. And in Christ, there's only solutions and power and fullness of joy. That is all that's there. When we submit ourselves to all that's there, then all that's there will begin to reveal itself to us. In a natural realm when we begin to tap into that. What happens when we don't respect and honor who and what we carry? See, that's a whole nother conversation. What happens? I'm talking about the presence of God in a person. Okay. What happens when we begin to disrespect the honor that God gave us to walk in? What happens when we begin to speak contrary to the one we carry? Let's talk about unbelievers. Check this out. What happens when people reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he's done for them. What happens in their lives when they totally reject who Jesus is for them? What happens to them? What happens to them? People say, well, they're going to hell. They won't receive any of the blessings. They're going to have issues. Oh, they need Jesus. What happens to them? Okay. Now what happens to a born again believer who rejects who Christ is for them and what he has done for them and through them? What happens to a born-again believer who will not accept the realities of Christ? What happens to a born-again believer who rejects the truths of Christ? What happens to that person? That's something to think about for sure. See, we always talk about the unbelievers who reject Christ. But what happens to the Christian who rejects all that Christ is while the Christ lives inside of them? What happens then? See, we don't ever talk about that. You want to know why we don't talk about that? Because we got a devil for all your issues. We got a demon for everything you're running up against. How about we just learn to honor what it is we carry? 
Maybe that'd be the key to everything, right? Let's talk about this. The plagues come, the issues come, sickness comes, all of this comes. Why? Because God is holy and he makes you holy. So how else will you know if you're not walking out who the Christ is for you? How will you know? How do you address the issues in your lives that need to be attended to if you don't know what the issue is? Like, how do you attend to the issues in your life? How do you attend to the problems in your life? How do you do that? How do you do that? Give that some thought. This is what I mean by that. How's God getting your attention when you're not doing what you need to be doing? Is he doing it to you? Or are you getting out of the light? Are you getting into the darkness? And then this is a result of what happens. Some struggles and issues and wrestles will get our attention. I'm telling you, man, it will. The Holy Spirit will ask you, hey, why is that happening to you? What's going on? You need to address that in the Christ. Did you not saw the Holy Spirit talk to you? When you run into an issue, the Holy Spirit doesn't say that's the enemy attacking you. The Holy Spirit will say, how are you going to address that? How are you going to handle that? Oh, you struggling with that? What you going to do about that? You going to get into the spirit or are you going to stay in the flesh? What you going to do? See, that's what it's about when you understand what it is you carry. That's what it's about. Yes. Yes, you will keep going in circles until you address it in the right mindset and identity. That's the Holy Spirit's job as a teacher to help you walk out the Christ in you. We will keep going in circles until we get it right. In the kingdom of God, you don't get to fail. You get to take the test over and over until you get it right. How does a person fail when he's seated in victory in Christ? You train in victory. No failures here. Only constant training till you rise up to the bar. And that bar, ladies and gentlemen, is the Christ in you. You will keep falling. You will keep stumbling. You will keep tripping. You will keep crying. You will keep struggling until you rise up to the bar because he will not lower his standard to you. He's given you the Holy Spirit to raise you to the standard that's in Christ. Never giving an inch, but giving all that he is so you can make it. You can make it daily, every single day. You can make it because in the eyes of Christ, you've already made it. It's the flesh that hasn't walked out the reality in which you live in in the spirit. And that's what all that's about. You will learn who Christ is in you through the process of suffering. We learn obedience through suffering. Every time we are not obedient to who Christ is in us and for us, we suffer every single time. And then we learn through the knowledge of good and evil not to do that again. See, a lot of us get stuck in, oh, the enemy this, the enemy that, I'm being attacked. You know what? You're being trained. And until you find out who you are in the Christ, you're going to suffer. See, you were given long suffering because it takes some people a long time to get it right. It takes some longer. It takes some less. But know this. We all have it for a reason because we're going to learn through suffering. Hey, we shouldn't do that again. Hey, we shouldn't go through that again. Hey, we, oh, well, I learned that. Well, I'm going to do I'm not going to do that again. How do you do that? Hey, Christ learned obedience through suffering as well. We're not exempt from it. We are all learning who the Christ is in us. We learn to be obedient to who he is for us. And for those who are in need of a savior, they watch us. And we show them who the Christ is on a daily. Have you ever thought about that? Give us some thought. We tell people about who Jesus is for them, but we never show them who Jesus is for us. Why is that? Hey, let me tell you about this Jesus and what he did for you. Let me show you how he's a blessing. Let me show you how you can walk in power. Let me show you. Okay, well, the only way we can do that is by us modeling that. We show people that God blesses people by the way we live. We show people how faithful God is by how faithful we are. We show people because we're one with that reality. There's no separating us from this reality. What if you're not being attacked? What if? What if you're being reminded of your unwillingness to obey his word in your circumstances? And the result is suffering. Give that some thought. Let me say that again. What if you're not being attacked? What if you're just being reminded of your unwillingness to obey his word in your circumstances? And the result is suffering. Long suffering is the fruit of the spirit. The training looks like this. This is what it looks like. Let me show it to you. We have the spirit living on the inside of us that withholds nothing from us. Withholds nothing. We know who the Christ is for us. 
through scripture, through the word, through the history of who he is. And our main role in this life is to confirm the word through signs and wonders. We confirm that that God that they served, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the, the one that Moses talked about, the one that Elijah talked about, the one that Isaiah talked about, the one that Jesus talked about, the one that the disciples talked about, that's the one that lives in me. And if he did that, then he can do it now in me and he can do it through you. But you won't believe it unless you see somebody else modeling it. So then we learn who we are in the Christ by submitting to the honest of who Christ is, which means we carry this thing with awe. We know that what we have inside of us destroys. Guys, you guys remember when they kidnapped God, when they took the Ark of the Covenant and they kidnapped it and they threw it in the hall of God's? Who rescued God? Does anybody remember who rescued him? Nobody rescued him. The God fell face down. Look, man, if your God has to be picked up, you need to find another God. Do uh, you remember what happened? Dagon fell face first. Dagon God fell face first, and they had to pick him up because they put him in the presence of God. Nobody needed to rescue God. God don't need rescuing. Guess what? You don't need rescuing either because you carry the presence of God. I don't need a savior. I have a savior which means I am saved and I'm going to need you to save me from what it is I carry. Come on. We tell people, look, if you have a savior and you know who your savior is, you are saved from a lot of things, but you can only walk them out. What I mean by that is if you're struggling with fear, you're saved from that. You call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. So in the midst of that fear, you call on the Lord and you say, okay, Lord, who are you for me in this circumstance? And you got to get into the Christ and walk that out. There is no separating yourself from the walk of Christ. You have to get in the Christ yourself. Okay, now you're struggling with pain and issues. Guess what? Okay, Lord, who are you for me in this situation? And you get into the Christ and you're saved. When you're having issues in your marriage and you're fighting with your husband and your wife and you keep fighting back and forth, you call on the name of the Lord and you say, okay, Lord, who are you for me in my marriage? And then you find out who he is and you get into that and you walk that out. There's no separating. Jesus didn't show up and take your wife out on a date. Jesus didn't sit your wife down and talk to her about how her issues. He ain't trying to prove to her that she ain't right. What Jesus is doing is trying to prove to you that you're right and you can walk out who the Christ is the right way. And when you walk out who the Christ is the right way, everything that pertains to life and godliness will begin to flow from that walk. But we don't teach that because we're chasing gifts. We're chasing, we're chasing anointings. We're chasing this guy and that guy. How about we learn to manifest what it is that was placed into us at the born again experience, which is the Christ in you, the hope of glory. What if we could learn to walk out his identity? What if we could learn to use his words? What if we could use his hands? What if we could use all that he is on a daily? What would that look like? What would that look like? What would your conversation sound like? What would your friendships look like? That's a crazy thought. And did you know that we don't, when you don't honor what it is that God has given you, you're going to have some issues because what you carry is holy. And did you know that God will honor his own word even if you don't, which means that even if you don't understand what it is you, you carry, ignorance is no excuse. We have to know how to take care of the presence of God. We have to know how to carry this into a world that's suffering. We have to know how to release who he is on people that need everything that he is. And this can only happen when we submit ourselves to the full calling of Christ. That's the only way it'll happen. There's no shortcuts here. There has to be training for reigning. And I tell people, I'm not being attacked. I'm being trained. I'm in a ring every day. I train nonstop, mentally, physically, and emotionally. I'm training for reigning. I'm not, I don't see anything as an attack. Never as an attack. Always as I'm in the ring and I'm being trained because I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I'm being trained. Trained to do what? Trained to show you what victory looks like because I'm already there. So now I'm just manifesting it on a daily in a physical reality that you can see, that you can, you can take hold of. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance, which means you can touch it. It's there. You can touch it. You can hold it. You can see it. And you know, faith is confidence, right? Now the confidence is you got to be confident in who your Christ is. So now imagine this. Imagine you can wrap your mind around who the Christ is for you fully and who God is for you fully and who the Holy Spirit is for you fully. And you're carrying all that he is on a daily and you walk into a room and you see someone there who needs what it is that you carry and you carry life. You carry peace. You carry joy. You carry healing. You carry blessings. You carry all that pertains to life and godliness. Freely if you receive, freely you can give. So now you can walk over there and just give of who you are. Because it's a part of you. 
You can't separate this from you. Just like Jesus couldn't separate himself from the Father. There's no separation here. We're all in. And I try to tell people, when you get trained in the flesh, you, there's a separation. You can feel it. It's like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Well, how do I, well, you know, how do I, you know, how do I go up to him? How do I get a conversation? And how do, no, 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 there's no shutting this off because it's all that you are. You're fully invested into the Christ. All that you are is invested in him. There's no holding back anything. It's all his and he's all yours. And if you're going to walk in 100% Christ, then you got to accept all that he is in every area of life. And that's what training and reigning is all about. And if you notice, when I call this, when I call this podcast, when I call this the masterclass, the full guide of divine healing and training in the spirit is because I teach you to train in the spirit, not in the carnal mind, not in the flesh. And it always goes back to the Christ because let this mind be in you that was also in Christ, which means you have the mind of Christ and you have to renew your mind to think the way Christ thought. Now, remember, Jesus was fully man carrying the presence of the Christ, which means he had to renew that mind of his to walk in the full presence of who, who God is for him on a daily, every day, everywhere he went. That's the key to everything. That's the key. And that's how I want you guys to train. Every day, every day, you get up in the morning, thank you, Lord. Get into it right there, mentally, physically, emotionally. Get into the Christ. When you're talking to people, think about, okay, how would the Lord speak? How would the Lord do that? How would I do that with him? How can I co-labor in this situation? And God will start showing you how to speak to people and how to talk to people. And once you have that, that relationship, then you can manifest who he is all the time. And that's the key to manifest who he is all the time. There's a lot to that. I could just keep going on that. So once again, what if you're not being attacked? What if you're just in the flesh? Think about that one. What if you're really just wrestling with what it is that God said and the wrestles that you don't want to submit to what God said. And so you're really fighting God. And so it's really God you're wrestling with. <laughs> Give that some thought. What if you're wrestling with his truth and you rather submit to the truths that are being shown to you now instead of saying, I'm not going to accept that as truth. I'm going to walk away from that and I'm going to look for a greater truth that's in Christ so that can manifest instead of this slop. I'm not going to accept this as truth. No, the bar is up here, ladies and gentlemen. The bar is Christ. I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to rise up. You always rise up. You always rise up. That's what it's about. So guys, if this has helped you, and bless you in any way. Guys, my PayPal is Ministries at yahoo.com. If you want to be a uh, part of what it is that I'm doing, uh, you can also go to www.royalfamilyinternational.com. And I run the School of Identity and Lifestyle with Royal Family International University. And so, guys, if you want to see more about what I'm doing, go to YouTube. You can subscribe there. I put these up there. Also, I have the podcast, which is on uh, the Algiers podcast. Just look it up. It's on uh, Spotify. It's on Apple. It's on all the other things that you could jump on. But, guys, if you want to be a part of what I'm doing, jump on board. Get on here. I'm going to be faithful every Friday. Okay? So, oh, uh, Time, baby! Jesus is the real star. I'm just his hype man. In your face section with Pete Cabrera Jr. Oh, Jesus, baby. baby. All right, guys. Man. Guys, thank you for being a part of this amazing podcast. Don't be afraid to share this with people, to believers, to even if they're non-believers, just give it to them. Watch what the Holy Spirit does. I pray that these words touch the souls of everyone who hears them. I pray that we get a harvest for Christ. All this is for him and for his glory. So guys, I love you guys in the name of Jesus. I do this because I want to show you his faithfulness so I have to be faithful. So guys, I love you in the name of Jesus. That being said, Jesus is the real star. I'm just this hype man.